Nehemiah chapter 6. Thank you, Spence, for your great leadership two weeks ago on Nehemiah chapter 5. Um, if you're new here, there's a sign-up sheet just on your left. Hello, Jack Richardson. How you doing? Um, just on your left, and that gets you on an email list and also a text list. Most of you aren't new, so you know you get that. So, um, And we only have two meetings left, hard as that is to believe. Two meetings in May. So next two weeks from now, May 4th, and then two weeks later, the 18th. Then it'll be summer. Nice. All right. And so then all the content that we do is on the ironleader.org website. So a video, uh, you know, any of the talks, any of that kind of stuff, all that is there. So I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 5, 8, and then pray for us. Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. <clears throat> Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let's pray. Lord, um, as leaders, leaders of ourselves, leaders of our families, leaders in our city, our work, leaders in our church, there's no greater danger than to be devoured. And it comes in all kinds of different ways, and some that we could see and try to avoid, many that we can't see, and pray for this morning as we think about Nehemiah and him wisely tackling these attacks of the enemy, that you would help us, you would... Um, strengthen our resolve, you would give us greater wisdom, you would challenge us, you would chastise us if we're lazy, and we would do it not, not just to be better leaders, but to, to do it because of your great love for us and for your glory to shine through us in all the places that you ask us to lead. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, this morning, as I said, I want to focus on the, the leader's never-ending fight against enemies. And certainly there are sort of pauses in our fight, but it just really is a relentless fight. And you know this, and we're going to uh, see that uh, in Nehemiah chapter 6 this morning. This first little video is from the end of an, it's an old movie called uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. And the movie is about a guy who uh, joins the army and gets really disillusioned by it and at, in World War I. At the very end of the movie, basically all of his friends have been killed or hurt, and he's kind of by himself, although he's got a little regiment left. And he writes, you'll see the very beginning of, the, of this clip, he's writing a letter back to his girlfriend and saying, hey, the war is just about over, I, I'm going to be home. Can you turn that up a little bit, Matt? 
So this could easily happen. You notice he goes down the line, you know, six guys. He's saying, hey, you got to have this open. you got to get all set. He's checking all his guys, but he's not checking himself. He's not aware of the easy dip in self-discipline. I mean, there he is. He's all right, and he just stands up just for a moment, and then it's over. And so that's what happens is with the enemy. He's always prowling around, and he's just waiting for you or baiting you to do something foolish. And it only takes a moment to be taken out. And he may be working on you for a very long time, or it may just be one short moment, but whatever it is, we have to be careful. We have to make sure that we're not distracted. We make sure we're using wisdom. We make sure we're, we're exercising personal discipline. And so this morning, we think about the devil taking a shot at you as a leader, whether it's in business ethics, your family, or your faith. And I'm trying to raise your level of alertness, I guess, so that whatever may be happening to you, seen, or maybe you need to look for things that are unseen, that you're more aware when you leave this morning than uh, when, you, when you came in. Now, this uh, passage in Nehemiah unfolds in three very easy uh, places, and I've just called them three different ways, waves of attack. And we'll just look at those in turn. First of all, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the door. So this is, we're getting to the very end of the project. Remember, Nehemiah gets called out of Babylon to come back and build this wall. He's got this whole team of people He's had a lot of conflict up to this point, and he's getting very close to the end. And these guys come in, verse 2, and say, Come, let us meet together. But they intended to do me harm. Verse 3, And I sent messengers to them, saying, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same way. So here's just the first wave of enemy attack. Come on, Nehemiah. I mean, this sounds like a reasonable request. We see that you're getting to the end. Let's just have this conversation. Maybe they want to know, hey, I know we've kind of been enemies, but now I can see you've got the wall going, so let's try to reason this thing out. But they know they're just waiting for Nehemiah to stand up, and they're going to take their shot. And notice how persistent they are. This is what happens. Hey, they may know the first messenger is going to come back and he said no, but the second, the third, the fourth, it feels a little bit like my son in the grocery store aisle, right? And we're at checkout. Hey, Dad, can I have these M&Ms? No. That's not hard to say. Four times later, okay. Get the dang M&Ms just so you don't have to, you know, uh, and, and that's what happens. You the first time you may say, okay, I'm not going to do that, but just this persistence, like Chinese water torture, uh, Satan does. He just drives you down until you say, yeah, I had the right response, or I said no, or I said yes, but, but then he just kept wearing on me, and Nehemiah has a great resp- response. I'm doing a great work, 
and I, come to, I cannot come down. So I'm calling Nehemiah's response here to this attack a routine yet difficult discipline in warfare. And I'm going to explain that. So I think this first wave comes on. It's basically I'm thinking of as a frontal attack. They come in, and I think this is routine, but it's difficult. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. It's routine because in chapter 6, by the time chapter 6 rolls around, Nehemiah is on a first-name basis with these two guys. If you remember, they've been fighting against him the entire time. If you go back to chapter 6, before he even announces his plan, they're against him. Then he puts the first brick in, they're against him. Remember, they get halfway up, and oh, a fox gets on that wall, and it's going to crumble down. They, these two jokers have been against Nehemiah the whole time. So when they come back in chapter 6, it's like a frontal attack, and he says, hey, you're, you guys aren't my friends. I figured that out. I'm smart enough. So it's routine. I see this enemy coming. These people never mean good for me, and I just have to say no to them. And so it's not, it's not super surprising because he's seen these guys before. And, and interestingly enough, in chapter 13, at the very end of the book, Nehemiah has to drive away one of these guys' sons. So it's like he has to spend his whole life fighting against this one thing. And you know what, as a leader, that's what you have to do. It won't be the same for me as it is for you, but there'll be some issues that you say, I have to fight this all the time. It never goes away. Sometimes something comes in and it, you fight it, it goes away. But there may be some kind of persistent sin or persistent person. that You just go, this person or this thing, it, it, it needles me the whole way out. And that may be something we expect. It's routine. It's difficult because it gets tiring fighting off these frontal attacks. And even though you know, hey, these guys aren't good for me, and I've said no, it just gets tiring. You get worn out trying to do it. And this might happen in your, your business. You're in a business field that are, there are certain unethical practices that are routine in your business field. You know them you know it's not right, but you're tired of being the only person who says, you know what, I'm going to do it the right way. That just gets tiring. You know it, you see it, you don't, you don't want to do what everybody else is doing, but after a while, you're just like, okay, everybody's doing it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. That could easily happen. And so you might struggle with it in some kind of sexual purity. You, you spend a lot of time in a computer, you see the sidebar, you know, column, and it's got a picture, and you just want to click on that, and that click leads to another click, and it just gets tiring, because you can't not use your computer, and they, they, can't, they find out who you are. I said this in a sermon a couple weeks ago. I, I can't believe that women from Russia and Asia are looking for me. It's, it's on my computer all the time. They are looking for, Paul Phillips, women from here are looking for you. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know they knew I existed. But you see, it's just, it's one weak moment, one click, and then it moves in a bad way. And so that's something that we all have to fight. One thing that helps Nehemiah is his response. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. So one way to answer this kind of criticism is just to keep working, just to keep moving forward. 
not to get distracted. Just, hey, I'm doing something here. I've got a God-sized vision, and I'm just going to be moving in this direction. I'm going to move this way as a man. I'm going to move this way as a Christian. I'm going to move this way as my business. I'm going to move this way in the church. And I just can't answer every critic. And I'm sorry you guys want time and attention. I don't think you're for me, but I am just moving forward. And sometimes that's what you need. You just need to have your eye on the prize for your character or for your family or for your business, whatever it is. And you say, you know what? I, I, if I stop and answer every critic, I'm going to spend my whole time answering critics. So I'm just going to move forward. In the very opening paragraph of Martin Luther's famous letter, Letter from a Birmingham Jail, he talks about this. And he writes, he's in jail for coming to protest injustice in Birmingham, and while he's there, white clergy write a letter to the editor of the paper in Birmingham saying why Martin Luther King shouldn't be in Birmingham. So imagine, this is, these are white pastors saying the black pastor shouldn't be there fighting against injustice. And so he writes a whole letter in response to them. Here's part of the opening paragraph. My dear fellow clergymen, while confined here in the Birmingham jail, I came across your statement calling my present activities unwise and untimely. So, so the white clergy were the constant enemies for Martin Luther King. That's a sad historical reference. Seldom do I pause to answer critics. If I sought to answer all the criticism that come, come, that come across my desk, my secretaries would have little time for anything else and I had to have no time for constructive work. That sounds like Nehemiah. Doesn't that sound, I mean, it's almost like a cut and paste. I mean, guys, you're coming in, you're coming in with criticism, you're coming to take me out, and I don't have time for you. If I took the time for you, I would never actually do any constructive work. And I've got a mission, I've got my eyes on a prize, that's a God-ordained vision for Nehemiah, and he's just not going to stop. So one question we'll have here in this first wave is, what's a difficult but routine attack that you face? Might be personal, might be in your business. You see it coming, you know its name or its person or its character, you just see it, but it's just routine, it never stops, and maybe you just get tired of it. What is that for you? What constantly sort of wants to come in and criticize could be a false narrative you have in your head. Might not be a person. Could be a narrative like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And you, you just replay that tape. What is that for you? And do you have a vision that you're doing a great work? That's part of, you, you know, hey, I'm just trying to be a godly man. I'm trying to be Christ-like. So that's my great work. Or maybe it's with your family, or maybe it's with your business, or maybe it's with your church. So, so you say, I'm doing something great, and that motivates you to move this way rather than to move this way and get taken out. Does that make sense? So, so what are the, the sort of frontal attack things that you face that are routine but difficult? And, and what keeps your focus moving forward? That's a question that we'll ask. Okay, so then we have the second wave. It's not going to happen. Uh, these guys aren't going to give up. Verse 5, in the same way, the same guy, Sambalat, for the fifth time, now he changes up his routine here, he sent a servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And in it was written, it is reported among the nations, 
uh, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That's why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And then you've set up these false prophets who are going to say he's supposed, uh, Nehemiah is supposed to be king. So here's what's happened. They can't come at him directly, so they create fake news. And I think, wow, this is Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, right? I can't get my opponent directly, so I just create fake news. And I get everybody energized about fake news, and it gets Nehemiah off track. And so they come in and say, hey, this whole thing is a scheme. You're setting yourself up as king. You're trying to take over this area. You're trying to have this big power play. And they start, they start with the fake news, trying to stir up people around so they would all be nervous about Nehemiah. And my question at this point, or my thought about Nehemiah's response, is now I'm calling Nehemiah's response wisdom. How do you respond to fake news? Fake news about yourself. Fake news about your business, fake news about your church, fake news about your family, whatever it is. How do you respond to that? And I would say that takes wisdom. And here's what I mean. Proverbs 26, 4, and then Proverbs 26, 5. Now listen carefully. Proverbs 26, 4. Don't answer a fool. All right, so that's what's happened. Somebody's come in, this is the fifth time, and he's got fake news, and he's a fool. Nehemiah knows it. Don't answer a fool. Or you're going to become like him. Do you hear that? Don't, just don't get down in the mud with the fool. Because the only thing that happens is you get dirty. Right? Proverbs 26.4. Proverbs 26.5. Answer a fool. Answer a fool or he'll end up wise in his own eyes. If you don't answer a fool, the fool looks wise. Looks like he's right. Well, did the writer of Proverbs go, you know, I'm not realizing I'm contradicting myself here in two sentences? No, because Proverbs is a wisdom book, and it's telling you sometimes you're just going to have to walk away from a fool, and sometimes you're going to have to address a fool. And the difference between that is a wisdom choice. It's not a moral choice, it's a wisdom choice. And you've probably been in this place where you just go, you know what? I'm just not going to answer that. I'm just, just going to move on. I mean, I just can't. Nehemiah actually answers the person saying, you're a fool. All, everything you said is fake news. And he comes out and he, he blasts that guy. But my question is, when you get attacked, how do you know how to respond? Now, you might say, well, that's what I'm here for. You tell me. And I'm saying, no, a lot of it's just a wisdom issue. Somebody comes at you, how do you know when you're supposed to answer the person and when you should remain silent? That's going to be one of the questions. Got that? All right. His solution, verse 9, and I just wanted to highlight this, is prayer. That's a, that's a constant theme through Nehemiah. He's always praying. Doesn't matter. I, I, I had my heart wrenched about the, the whole problem in Jerusalem. I sat down and prayed. I prayed before I went before the king. I prayed before I got all the people together. I prayed halfway through. I'm praying, I'm praying the whole time. And, and notice that uh, what they're trying to do here is they're trying to stir up fear. 
Uh, uh, verse 8, I sent to them saying, no such thing as you have said has been done for you are inventing out of your own mind. You're, you're doing fake news. Verse 9, they all wanted to frighten us so that we drop our hands from the work. That's what the enemy likes to do. That's one of the, like the, the common attacks is to get people afraid, to get you afraid of moving forward or cause other people around you to be afraid so you can't move those people forward. It's very common. So I very nearly didn't become the pastor of Christ Community Church just out of fear. I mean, it was pretty tempting just to say, and it, all my fear seemed reasonable in my fear. You ever notice that? Like, I'm afraid, but while I'm afraid, I have a lockdown case of why I shouldn't. But really, it's out of fear, and because I'm afraid, I build this great case that's airtight. And so that's probably happened to you before. You operate out of fear, and that's never a good operational style. Okay, so now here's the third wave, and then we'll have some time for discussion. Verse 10. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, who was confined to his home, he says, and probably he was some kind of priest or at least somebody near that worked near the temple, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. So he goes now, Nehemiah goes to his Jewish friends, right? This guy's either a priest or he's involved with the temple. He knows the pressure Nehemiah's under. And Nehemiah probably comes to him for at least some encouragement or respite or something. And the guy says, I know you're under attack. And they won't come into the temple, so let's go into the temple. And that's kind of like the safe house. Verse 11 but I said, should, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go in the temple and live? See, Nehemiah would be violating the laws of God to actually go into the temple. I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but had pronounced the prophecy against me because of Tobiah. They hired him. For this purpose he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way, and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. See what's happening? This is very deceptive. The bad guys go hire a good guy and try to get the good guy to get Nehemiah to do something wrong. So this, isn't, this is no longer the frontal attack. This is the sneak up from behind attack. And this is the hardest thing to respond to because you just, you have to have your head on a swivel. I mean, if somebody's coming right at you with a spear, you can at least try to dodge it, right? If they're coming from the side, maybe you see it a little bit later and you kind of dodge it. But when they're coming from behind and you're, you're saying, hey, I got to be diligent. I got to be focused. I can't have any of these enemies attack. Then Satan's going to say, well, that's fine. I'll just come right around from behind. And you'll be so focused out front, you'll never see me sneak up from behind and, and put my teeth into you like a roaring lion and drag you away. So Nehemiah's response is what I'm calling a 360 vision. He sees the routine frontal assault. He sees the fake news. But he knows in a war 
you have to look all the way around. And even people who might look like friends could be out to get you. And if your friends are asking you to do something that's against what God wants you to do, they're not your friends. Even if it sounds like, hey, it's just this little thing and it won't be a big deal and we're not going to be in there forever, that's not your friend. Perfect picture of that is this, and then we'll have time to take questions. Got to watch your back. The Cayman, an ancient crocodilian that grows to more than 12 feet long. Their thick skin is protected by an armor of bony plates. For millions of years, Cayman had been the apex predator. Then the hunter became the hunted. This extraordinary act of predation was filmed by a tourist in Brazil's Pantanal and has become an internet sensation. It shows what skillful and audacious predators cats can be. Skillful and audacious. That's not just a cat, that's Satan. And you might be sitting there on the sandbar saying, look, I got my teeth out. I know who's coming at me. I've got a lot of armor. But you just don't see the thing that's sneaking up from behind. And my question is, how do you get ready for that kind of attack? So much easier to see the one and say, I know it's tiring, but I see it. But how do you as a man prepare yourself not to just get devoured in one place because you just never saw it? How do you have that kind of vision? How do you deal with the frontal attack? Do you have a great vision? How do you deal with this attack from behind? How do you, how do, you do that as a leader? The questions will be up on the board. You get in a group of about three or four. We got about 15 minutes or so, and then I'll close this in prayer. Ready? Break.